Henry Amar is a human behavior and subconscious reprogramming expert who hosts the podcast, Making It Happen with Henry Amar. The podcast has ranked number one in the training category and number six in the education category on the iTunes charts. As a keynote speaker and empowerment transformation expert, he has positively impacted people across the globe, speaking to audiences as big as 35,000 plus people at a time. Henry is also published in Forbes. In his professional career, Henry began in music and has performed on a Grammy award-winning album and traveled the world sharing the stage with legends. He has also overseen the investment and management of over $2 billion in real estate. Recently, Henry gave a TEDx talk entitled, What Porcupines Teach Us About Boundaries. And as a follow-up, I asked him if he would be willing to come on my podcast and further expound on his thoughts on this topic, and he graciously agreed. It was honestly so good that we ended up splitting the episode into two parts, and the second part is a Q&A, so watch for that coming soon. And I hope you enjoy this episode as thoroughly as I did. Okay, Henry, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm always excited to get a chance to talk to you, but especially about everything you've been up to lately. And so we met a few months ago. It seems like we've known each other now for a long time because we talk a lot, but we met in May. And at that time, you told me I'm working on a book about boundaries. And I was so excited for you. And then the next thing I heard was that you were going to give a TED Talk. So let's start off with why boundaries? Like, why is that important to you? Why did you, of all the things that you have such a vast knowledge and understanding and experience with, why did you choose that topic? Yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm super pumped to talk to you again. Um, you know, it's interesting. So I was writing a different, I was writing a different book. I was oh. writing a book of healing forward about how to heal from your past so you can move forward and how to use your ambition to heal. I'm obsessed with human behavior. I've been studying it for over 25 years. And I was writing this book and I was having all these revelations and downloads and, and all of a sudden I paused and you know, that feeling you get right before you get inspiration. Yep. I was like, what's about to happen? And I literally just started typing and this whole outline an understanding of boundaries that I've never understood before, like in the same way came to me. And I paused for a second. I remember looking like, where did this, I know where it came from, but I was like, what is this? And I was like, is this a podcast episode? Is this uh, an article? And I was like, it might be a book. So it just like, and so I went and I ended up writing to the second draft. I was like, let me go get every popular book on boundaries and read it and see if it's similar. And I did, and nothing was similar to what it was. And I was, and I knew it was a gift. And I had a really strong feeling like you need to release this book first. So, and the other one I was like working with neuroscientists on, and we were diving so deep, and I was so pumped about it. And I had a really, really strong feeling like this is a foundation. You need to do this first. And I learned so much about boundaries during it and modified and realized that this approach to boundaries really strengthens relationships versus feeling like I'm isolated or I need to block people off. Yeah. And ideas, it's called love-based boundaries. So it was, that's where it all started, man. It was, it was revelation and inspiration. That's so cool. I love that backstory. So 
For anyone who didn't get a chance yet, we're going to put a link in the show notes to go listen to the, the TED Talk. And it's just super powerful. It's a 10-minute talk. Everyone has, like, you definitely have time to listen to it. But for anyone who hasn't heard it yet, can you give just like a synopsis of kind of what you cover in that? Yeah. One of the main premises is boundaries aren't just a yes or no. Boundaries are a how much. And I start with this story about porcupines and it, I start the TED Talk that way so I get a glimpse and a preview of it. But it's about these porcupines that it's really, really cold outside and they come close together to stay warm, but they get so close they poke each other and cause each other pain. Mm-hmm. And then they disperse and they try to go away from each other because they don't want to feel pain. But now they're stuck in the cold weather by themselves. So they go back and forth and back and forth until they find that sweet spot where they're not hurting each other all the time and they're also benefiting from each other. I thought, sweet spot? Like, how do you find that sweet spot in relationships where you're really creating a safe place? And the TED Talk, I don't really go into it, but the thought is I study the nervous system. I study the body, the mind, the spirit, everything. And I realize that if we're poking each other, our nervous system puts off an alarm. We're in defense mode. How can I really build a great relationship with somebody if I'm in survival mode, if my nervous system doesn't feel safe, if I'm yeah. being poked? Right. And so the premise is, how do you create love-based boundaries versus fear-based boundaries? I love that. So why is that important, fear-based versus love-based? Like, Because I see that a lot. I see people being like, I don't want to be trampled or even feeling that myself in the past. So what is the difference as far as, or why is that important to make a differentiation? Yeah, if you think of fear-based boundaries, I I call it like the excessive yes or no, right? Like fear-based is either I am afraid of everything and I put up a wall, And I let people in just enough, but I'm afraid to let people in because I've been hurt before, right? Right. Or there's also fear based of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to create conflict and I don't want to say no to people because if I do, they may not like me. Yep. And both of it is is really like a defensive play, right? Where you you don't feel safe, say, doing one or the other. So you kind of lose your own self in everybody else. We almost become like a puppet to the world versus like really stepping into our agency and understanding the fear-based boundaries really focus on survival, whereas the love-based boundaries focus on not just keeping you safe, but also expanding relationships. You know, how do you really enhance not just relationships with other people, but with yourself? Right. The premise of it is when we can understand the optimal space and what really dictates what the optimal space is between a particular relationship where we're benefiting from each other, then it's a great starting point that you could work from. And one question, I mean, if someone's listening, all of us have been around people that when you're around them, you feel really anxious or you feel like you're always triggered, right? Or you can't say everything you really want to say. And that's okay because not everybody's going to be your everything all the time. But it's important to really understand that proximity, like how much it's how much energy, how much attention, how much time, how much of your resources do you give those, those relationships that's optimal? Some people, and I'll give you a little hack for it that I use and everyone that talks, everyone that listens to podcasts like, that's what you do when you talk to me. <laughs> but like some people after about 30 minutes of talking to them, you start to feel a little bit more depleted. And so yeah. optimal thing may be time or sometimes I call it pre-framing is easier, easier than reframing. Mm. If you know that with somebody, then sometimes I'll get on the phone and say, hey, I'm so glad to talk to you. I have about 10 minutes to speak but I'm really excited to chat with you for 10 minutes. That way, 10 minutes later, you're not trying to get off the phone and they're still going. Yeah. The goal is to really recognize that, for example, the fear-based boundaries, walls 
may feel safe to you, but they're not. Like you really can't heal from trauma by yourself. Right. It's co-regulation. You really can't have love if you're isolated the way you want. And love is a healer, right? And just like the other way, if you don't have, if your boundaries are so loose, you're going to constantly be triggered because your people are just going to trample all over you and you're going to be in a stress response. And that's not good for a relationship either. So what does it optimally look like when you decide to create a boundary and in the most healthy way? No, I, I think optimally, the, the best part about this for me is, is I have something that's really important, especially because what I do in like my masterminds or my coaching or anything I do, we dive really, really deep, right? Like we go into what are the things that are really holding you back? What are the things that are like, what are the belief systems at your core that if you flipped them, it would change everything. And we go really, really deep in terms of self-awareness. So first, I don't just call it self-awareness. I call it loving Mm self-awareness because a lot of people, when they hear truth about themselves, what's the first thing that they typically do if they don't like it? Uh, Either feel shame or they're defensive. 100%. (laughs) Feel shame, they're defensive, they beat themselves up. All those things are accurate. If I was, for example, if you and I were walking down the street and we were walking with somebody and every time you're like, man, hey, imagine his name is Bob. Hopefully there's no one that listens to your podcast named Bob. And you're like, you're talking about me. But imagine Bob is like, and you're like, hey, Bob, man, I just discovered this about myself. And they're like, that's so stupid. You shouldn't be doing this. You should be this. You should be this. And every time you tell them that, they just like shame you for it or you feel guilty. After a while, you're going to stop really wanting to hear, to tell the truth to Bob. We do that to ourselves. But we tell ourselves truth and then we get upset at understanding that truth versus recognizing that as soon as I know truth, I could be free. Yeah. I always say that a lot of people tell themselves enough truth to be uncomfortable, but not enough truth to be free. Mm. And in order to, to build a safe place for the truth to liberate yourself, it has to be built on the premise of love because you can't beat yourself up into healing. You can't beat yourself up into self-love, right? It doesn't work that way. I mean, you know, we talk about like God all the time and God is love. And if God is love, then love is God. And so if God's the ultimate healer, then we can't take love out of ourselves because we're taking away healing. We're taking away peace. We're taking away everything. The first premise to boundaries is a real deep sense of loving self-awareness. Where are you really? What are your belief systems? Why don't you set the boundaries? Because if you felt safe setting boundaries, if you didn't have fears behind them, then you would already set them. Right. Right. And I think understanding yourself in a way that opens you up to a deeper sense of freedom, a deeper sense of self-mastery and control and understanding. In my TED Talk, I tell this story and I'll expand on it on this podcast a little more. But I was sitting with this girl and we were doing this session and we were getting to a belief system and she's like, Henry, I... I have these walls up. I let people in just enough, but I really want a relationship and I really want to like to connect with other people, but I'm so afraid to do that. And so we do a lot of the deeper work that releases them. But as she was saying that, I smiled and she looked at me, she's like, why are you smiling? And I was like, well, because I realized I'm the same. I've been hurt in my past. And I was like, maybe that's why I'm single. Like I let people in just enough. And in a second, I realized that I was like so excited and I was clapping and I was laughing. And she's like, why are you clapping and laughing? And I was like, because I realized why I'm single. Now I could be free. Now I could shift it so I could allow love into my life at a deeper level. So I don't have the walls up that keep pain and love out. I can understand the parameters that only 
bring love in and help me understand and navigate the rest of it. And so I love it when I discover truth because I realize that truth presents itself when it's ready to, to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. And so the first boundaries is, is loving self-awareness for sure. In the book, I have a whole assessment section, but one, one way that I, I talk about in the TEDx talk is understanding your values. Okay. What's important to you? Like what's really important to you? For me, in my relationships, there's this proximity map. You have your inner circle. Mm-hmm. Then you have people that kind of get a little bit further. And the further away they are from your inner circle, the less resources they get, less time, less energy, less attention, just less of your resources on a consistent basis. In my inner circle, I have to know what my values are. So my values for me are trust. I have to trust somebody and have to trust me. Truth seekers, I I just, in my circle, we just dive deep in conversation. Someone that makes me better and I make them better. For me, those are the core, really. Yeah. So when I know my values and I know what I want in my inner circle, boundaries become more of an invitation. Okay. Imagine you go to like the the club or something and there's a security guard who's like, Okay, does she have shoes? Henry, it's been yeah. a long time since I've been in the club. So. I know, I know, me too. I was, I was, that's why you saw me pause. I was like, should I use that metaphor? Yeah, we'll just go for it. I gotta but go way like, back in like the cobwebs of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna know about that time in your life. You're like, this is my podcast. I'm interviewing you, Henry. No, no. So, <laughs> so like you go into the, the security guard and he's like, do you have shoes? Yes. Do you have a shirt? Yes. Are you 18? Yes. Are you. This, yes. And if you have those things, then you can go a little bit closer. So it's not a wall and it's not like there's nothing there. There's someone there that understands the values. And the best part about this is this is where you get to take control of your life and you get to create optimal relationships. It's not like, oh, I need to cut everybody off. It's all or nothing. It's like, no, there's there's just proximity. Mm. And in that proximity, when you find the sweet spot, like those porcupines, you could benefit in that relationship. Right. Like how, what's the optimal space between you and that relationship? And this is another thing. People that don't, that feel like they don't want to set boundaries because they don't want to create conflict. Mm-hmm. In, a re- in reality, all of us already have this internal threshold of what we feel safe and what our nervous system feels safe in. Yeah. For example, if I was walking down the street or I, like, imagine I park my car and then a cop comes and gives me a ticket and says, here's your ticket. And I'm like, it doesn't say I can't park here. Yeah, yeah, but you still get a ticket. You're getting punished for it. And that's what happens when we don't state our boundaries. Mm. We end up punishing people yeah. because we're going to be triggered anyway. Right. That's so true. It's so much better when we learn how to understand ourselves, understand what we value, understand what's important. And then most importantly, understand that there's a way to set love-based boundaries that optimizes relationships and doesn't just, you know, feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to let you all the way in or not in at all. So there's something that keeps coming to me while you're talking about all of this. And it's a thing that I've never framed in boundaries, but I did. So I had this experience once where I was supposed to speak at like a young women event in our church. That's like the girls from 12 to 18 that are teenagers. So I was assigned a topic and I kind of already had a talk prepared. So I was like, great, this will be super easy. And then like two hours before I got this super strong impression that I needed to talk instead about the importance of having good friends. And I mm. kind of panicked, but I I texted the leader and said, I really feel like I'm supposed to speak on this instead. And she was like, great. So I dove into the scriptures and I, I like went on this deep dive about how Jesus 
was super intentional about his close circle of friends and Mm. how I hear people. And even I use this as a teenager and I hear other people say this like, oh, Jesus was friends with everyone. So you can't tell me I can't be friends with certain people or that certain people aren't good for me. Or maybe even turning that into the guilt of like, we should include everyone. We should be kind to everyone. We should let everyone in. But if you look at the way that Jesus so masterfully set up intentionally his time and his plan and his ministry, he had like 12 best friends. And I also think it's super interesting that like the first thing that he does after he's tempted, that the devil tempts him in three different ways. First thing he does is he goes and finds his 12 best friends. And then in that 12, he has like his three best friends. And then in that three, he has his one best friend, which most people believe is Peter. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, probably people are listening to this who are like, but I don't want to be mean, but that's not Christ-like, but that's not what we learn, like that we're just supposed to love everyone. Well, Jesus loved everyone. He really did go out and serve all walks of people and everything from, and even his close friends weren't like perfect people, but he was definitely intentional about the people that he let in his inner circle that he did like some of those most intimate things with. Like when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he took his three best friends with him, not all 12 or not every one of his disciples. And so anyway, I'm kind of going off on a rant, but it's something that I think about a lot when I think about people feeling bad that they're not being like the ideal Christian if they're not letting everybody in as much as they are, as much as others are demanding of their time and resources. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's interesting because in the framing that I felt inspired to share with Boundaries is I think it gives people the opportunity to build a relationship with everybody in the optimal way. Mm-hmm. For, because the thing is, you can't fully give or receive love if you don't feel safe. Mm. Yeah. Right? I, because I'm going to be too busy in survival mode. My stress response is going to come in where I'm in fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn, which is people-pleasing if I don't set boundaries and let everybody in and I'm being taken advantage of or I'm being triggered all the time, it's hard to really give love if you're triggered all the time. Very true. So this actually lets you, I have friends of all walks of life, right? Like, but I do have an inner circle and then I have close relationships. Mm -hmm. If you watch the TEDx talk, you'll see this. I actually have a proximity map. Yeah, that that was a great visual. And it's just like helps you recognize, oh, and and sometimes people start further away and then you could build a better relationship and they come closer and closer and closer to you. And sometimes people are close to you and someone breaks trust and maybe they, they step a, a little ways back. But the truth is, it's really hard to build a relationship with people if you're constantly triggered and you don't know how to understand what you need yep. and how to state what you need. So how does that look? So I, because I feel like we're just like right on the edge of, and probably if I was listening to this, I would be like, okay, so how do I do it? Tell me what what I do. Stay tuned for the next episode. I'm just kidding. (laughs) After this commercial break. After this commercial break. It's very interesting because in the book, I talk about boundaries and how they relate to your nervous system and a lot of stuff we're talking about now. And the second part is an assessment. How do you use your emotions to understand? How do you do all that? And third one is how do you plan? Mm. Right. Because a lot of times it's better to decide in advance what you're going to do instead of just doing it in the spot. Because when you're on the spot, like if you're like wired in the spot, you probably are going to have a harder time setting the boundary. Totally. Versus really understanding that particular situation. Yep. Because everybody's different. And this is really important what I'm about to say. You will feel resistance within yourself 
and you will feel resistance from the other person when you set a boundary, most likely because it's not what you've typically done. Right. I have something called the resistance strategy where you can expect it and then you redefine it where you're like, okay, I can, I can, this isn't a bad thing that there's resistance. It just means that we're going to have to just almost retrain ourselves and I can do it in a way that's loving, depending on the boundary needs that look, some of you listening may have a really hard boundary to set because in the proximity map, there's a no contact one. If someone's being abused or someone is having very, very toxic relationships, some of you, it's, it's just going to be a no, like a period exclamation point. No as a complete sentence. Right. And other people, you just may need to reframe the relationship and, and, just basically state what your values are and say, Hey, I'm realizing that I can actually be a better, we can have a better relationship if we navigate it this way. And everybody's a little different. There may be some people, you know, that when you set a boundary, they may get angry. Yeah. And you can anticipate how people will typically respond, right? Like a lot of times, and you can anticipate how you respond. Are you avoidant? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you get angry? What is your go-to trigger? You know, when you're feeling dysregulated, And I think if you know that if you're typically avoidant, it's really important to have a support system and you tell them in advance, like what you're doing, how to support you, what you need. Also understanding the exact situation you're in, who that boundary you're setting with is. I say, pick one. If you're not good at setting it, pick one to set and work through that. Because when you get good at one, you'll start getting good at the other ones. Some people you may not have to have a full-blown conversation with, depending on the relationship, right? right? And some people might have to say, hey, this makes me feel like this. And you could state how you feel. You state your boundary and you say, hey, like this is, I'm going to have to spend less time on this because X, Y, Z. And sometimes you don't even need to explain something. But if you value the relationship for me, for example, if I'm setting a boundary with one of my relatives, right? Um, and this is not- an important thing to talk about because- you, a lot of times you can't just, I mean, there are situations where, like you said, with abuse or whatever, you need to set really hard boundaries. But oftentimes with family, you can't just like X people out of your life. And there's everyone um, has difficult people in their family, period. And in, yeah, 100 percent, million percent, actually. <laughs> and the thing with family, is sometimes we feel so obligated to be like, oh, everything is a yes. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. Sacrifice is really good. Yeah. And at the same time talking about scriptures, when they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, mind, strength. Then he said, love your neighbors as yourself. yourself." Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we're really good at loving our neighbors and really bad at loving ourselves. So true. Love is universal. We have to create a win-win situation in, in the long run. Granted, there are some situations where I had to help my parents who were going through a really, really rough time. And it did make me feel a little bit uncomfortable and dysregulated. But it was a conscious choice. This is the main point. You have to make a conscious choice out of love and not fear, out of love and not guilt and shame, out of love because it's the right thing to do and the best thing to do. And I wouldn't even say right because it's you feel like it's the optimal thing for you to do for your mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and theirs. There's a reason why people are like, well, it's not Christian. It's like, well, why did Jesus say love yourself? Like, what was that point of that? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like it's ultimate, like Jesus sacrificed and and did all those things for us. And I'm really grateful. And at the same time, I've learned that I can love people better, way better when I understand myself and I'm able enough to be present enough to stay my boundaries. Because I will tell you this, you're not doing anybody a favor 
if you're constantly triggered around them. Yeah. Or if you're not bringing your best self. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's a work in progress. And with family, for example, one of my cousins is really inappropriate and sends me messages sometimes with pictures. And I'm like, dude, that's don't, what are you doing? Yeah. So I said, and then finally I had to say, Hey, listen, like, you know, my values, you know, spiritually, like those aren't the things I want to put into my mind. And so if you do that, because this is really important to me and I think you care about me, but if you do that, I hope you respect me enough to know I'm going to have to block you. Yeah. I'm going to have to like not open your text messages because you know how much this means to me. So by you doing that, you know how much it affects me. And so out of love for our relationship, I have to state this. And he said, okay, cool. And he stopped. That's awesome. But I didn't do it in a way I said, well, you're this and you're this and Mm -hmm. accusatory. I was like, hey, this is how it makes me feel. This is what's important to me. And it was really an invitation to him because he had the opportunity to stay in touch with me and stay talking to me, or he could choose to do that again. And he knew the consequence of it. Yeah. I always say you have to understand violations. And the bigger the consequence that I've realized is, for example, you have to look at two factors. One is how often and how bad. So how often do they break your boundary? Mm-hmm. And how bad is that is that break? If the porcupine pokes you really, really deeply, all you need to be is poked once and know I need distance. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, innocently people will say something like, oh man, sorry. And it's not like, oh my gosh, I have to set a boundary with everybody. It's just important to know if someone pokes you often and a little bit, you're like, I need some distance. Or if mm-hmm. someone pokes you once and deeply, you're like, I need distance. Yeah. Family is a big one, man. Family is a big one. So I'd love to go back and just unpack like the actual steps, like kind of the skeleton of how you set that really good boundary with your cousins. So first you shared with him what your, I'm sorry, what your values are. That was kind of the first step to make it about your personal need to protect your values. Yeah. Right. Can I give you a pre-step to that one? Yeah. Is listen to your emotions because emotions are messengers. Mm, Okay. And if I looked at that and it made me feel something in my my body and my spirit and my spirit said, ah, something's not right. Yeah. I don't let my emotions dictate me, but I let them allow me to ask better questions. Okay. So when I felt my emotion, like, ah, I don't, the, this doesn't feel right to me at all. I asked myself, what, what is this about it? And like, what's important to this? And I got really inquisitive about myself. Like, what is it? What's important to me? this doesn't align with my values. It doesn't align with someone that I really want as close to me as him. And not that everybody has to live the way that I live, Mm -hmm. but like, for example, one of my really, really, really close friends, like I'm, I love Jesus. Jesus is, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. You know, you know that. And one of my friends calls himself an atheist Jew. He's like, I'm Jewish by culture. And I don't know if I believe in God, but he's a really good friend of mine. And he honors everything that I want to live is like, Henry, I know you don't want to do things on Sundays because you want to focus on like church and God. So he doesn't ask me to do that. When he sees me like doing something is like, Hey, does that go along with like your moral values? Like he really pushes me to be better and he makes me a better person. And I trust him and he trusts me. We both have, have this love and respect. He seeks truth and we have these deep conversations about life and we're able to have those. That's okay. Like he doesn't really live my standards. Like one time on the phone, he's like, gotta go. I might be doing something you might not approve of. And, you know, and I was like, <laughs> I was like laughing, but it, it's beautiful because we've made each other better people. But the thing is when it breaks, when it crosses the line within my space and makes me start to go away from the values that I have or those things in my life, listen to your emotions. Okay. 
your emotions will tell you a lot. And sometimes your emotions may deceive you. You're like, oh no, but I really have to talk to that person. But I'm just saying, ask good questions. Yeah. So your emotions may tell you, I need a little bit of distance. Or if you're feeling lonely, maybe you're keeping people out. So that's the first step really is to be aware, observe your emotions, be aware, and then to communicate what your values are, which you did. Mm -hmm. And then after that, what would be like the next most important thing? I would, I would communicate, like I would understand it myself. And then, so before I talk to my cousin, I know how he is. I anticipate how he's going to be, how he would typically respond. I knew that he like jokes around a lot and like dances around things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's probably going to make a joke about it. And I anticipated that. And I anticipated also how I was going to react to his response. Okay. The cool thing is you could experience something in your mind before you experience it. And the, the reason I say that on this podcast is because if people haven't been setting boundaries, it's really important to visualize it and experience it and maybe even work it through with somebody else mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable doing it. For me, I am comfortable doing it. So I visualize in my head, what what is a possibility that he might respond? And I knew that he would deflect it. And I know he would do that. And I knew I'd have to say, hey, like, I'm really serious. I need you yeah. to really hear me out. That was for him. And I also like, for example, there's another relative that gets totally triggered and angry. Well, I was just about to ask you that as a follow-up question. You've got the angry, like the jokesters are a little bit easier because you can usually kind of just like ease your way into something, but you've got the angry people. Those are difficult to deal with. And then you've got like the delicate flowers that you know, like anything you say that might make them feel bad, they're just going to like crumble, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So those are really hard. Those are the extremes. And, you know, truthfully, coming from the space of healing in the world that I live in, it's really important to be aware of yourself and other people, right? The delicate flowers that are hypersensitive that may feel like they're terrible people if they do that, you know, and and to be honest, one of my favorite lines is every form of communication is a cry for help or an act of love. Mm -hmm. Even in the angry people are crying out for help, right? They're just afraid. And the delicate people are afraid that they're not enough, right? Like they're everybody's operating in this fear pattern where it's like, if I don't state a boundary, then we're all going to just be living in this fear place like for a really long time. And we think it's safe, but we're not really growing. And But the truth is for, for the delicate people, understand them, have compassion. Don't be accusatory, obviously, right? It's not like, even if there, you have reasons to be like, you've been this and you've been that. It's like, hey, this makes me feel this, this way. And you still have to be firm, right? And then you could ask questions and you could still love them. And if that's the right person and the right place to be, because there's a lot of abusive relationships where you say to them and they act like a delicate flower and you're like, oh, no, I'm the worst person on this and on that. You don't stay in a relationship because somebody else is hypersensitive to it, right? It's toxic to you. It's toxic to them. You're not doing them a favor either. And to the angry person going into that, anticipating that they might go be angry and accuse you of a bunch of stuff. Like you don't love me and you don't this. That's the hardest one is when they say you don't love me. Mm-hmm. But I think if that's where love-based boundaries comes in. If you could state the fact that, look, this is going to help me love you better and help us have a better relationship because I will not be triggered around you. You will not be triggered around me. We're not going to be sitting here where I'm able to be more present. But in this situation, this is where I'm at this will help me a lot have a better relationship and build a better relationship with you. Because the, the reality is, if they're always angry and if you're tippy-toeing around them, they may be angry for a while. This is true in my friends that convert to different religions or my friends that like, 
try to make any kind of change, I say there's always three steps to it. First, people typically reject it mm. because it leaves it leaves their comfort zone. Second, they accept it. Fine, that's good for you, but I don't really like it's not really for me. Then they see the fruits of it. Then they respect it. Mm, that's so true. Yeah. And that goes in like any change, because think about it. Any change has to throw you off. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're built for survival. We're not built for anything first. We're built for survival. Our body is built to survive. And we've everything we have in our life right now is what we feel safest having. Yeah. As soon as something shifts that, our nervous system is going to throw off an alarm and be like, ooh, ooh, okay, so now what? So understanding that people's nervous systems are going to be thrown off. I have Dr. Bruce Perry, who's a neuroscientist that I love, focused a lot on trauma. He said in relationships, there's three steps. It's regulate, relate, then reason. Mm, okay. So if I'm in a relationship with somebody and they're dysregulated, the first thing I want to do is you can't reason with someone that's not regulated. If someone's angry, you're, you could say all that you want, but they're going to be, they're not going to hear you. Yeah. You regulate and then you relate. Hey, like, I understand you feel this way and you do the best you can. Once they regulate their emotions and then you reason. Now you're like, hey, this is what it is. Yeah. That's so, so my good. family member that was angry and it was a really close person to me. And I knew that I was going to maintain relationship. It wasn't toxic, but there was a boundary that I had to set. Mm -hmm. And finally, I, I said, I knew they would be thrown off and I said it. And then they got escalated and I just sat there present. I was a safe place. And I said, hey, like, I understand that this, this is different. And it's hard. And I want you to know that, you know, I do this because I really care about our relationship. And I know that if it kept going the way that it did, I don't know that it, it would be beneficial for both of us. Yeah. And some people need a break. And I said, I would love to talk, speak with you more if you want to breathe or you want to think about it and you want to do that. Um, but I care about our relationship and that's why I'm having this conversation with you. I don't want to cut this off and I don't want to just be dysregulated. And then they calmed down a little bit. And I said, well, tell me how you're feeling. This is how I'm feeling. And we had a real conversation. We were related to each other. And the only reason I said, hey, listen, like this is really important to me and it's not something I can compromise. Yeah. You know, it really isn't. And for me, there are certain, there are non-negotiables for me. And if you're going to be in my inner circle, this you is just the can't. requirement. Yeah. 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 And honestly, you don't do anyone a favor when you let someone in your inner circle that's constantly put triggering you because it literally will affect every other area of your life. So true. To put this into maybe perspective that other people might connect with well too, I talk all the time about my favorite parenting book is Christlike Parenting. And Glenn Latham labels this as an extinction burst when you try to put boundaries with your kids and say like, okay, they're, like here's the rules. And then if you break them, these are the consequences. And a lot yes. of times kids will push super hard because they're like, I want to see if this is for real. I want to see if you're actually going to hold this boundary with me. And adults do it too. But it's easier to think about with like a little kid who's like, oh, you said this was the rule. So I'm I'm going to just ride my bike and not tell you where I'm going and then see if I actually get in trouble for it. So it's it's like a little bit like that with adults, too, where I think sometimes people kind of test the waters to see if you're serious. Yep. And I think about, too, my all of my experience, not only with Neil as an addict and working through that in our marriage, but also being a sponsor and helping so many other women who it's 
it's a key essential part of their recovery, being like the codependent spouse or whatever, to set healthy boundaries. And a lot of times an addict will do the same thing. And it's almost like a subconscious thing where they'll kind of push and see like, are they serious? Yeah, absolutely. That is a really good point. And that's why it's really important when when we talk about, and so going back to your steps, sorry, we I get excited and we go on these t- wonderful tangents. I know, but sorry. No, no, thank you. This is awesome. So once you anticipate how they're going to spawn and you state it, you have to have consequences, right? Because if you state a boundary and they keep crossing the line, we treat we train people how to treat us. Yeah. And we build these patterns in our lives. It's so important to really understand that a boundary without a consequence really isn't a boundary. It's a suggestion. Yeah. And here's the best part about it. This is the opportunity for everyone to step into using their agency and choosing their life and what's important to them. Because if you don't choose, life is going to default for you. And it's probably not going to be the greatest thing that you are supposed to be doing because we're constantly growing. This is the ultimate form of agency. And the reason why I, I truly believe that to me, it's God having me write this book first was because this is a fundamental foundation. It's really hard to really build a future that you want mm-hmm. or even heal from your past or even build real confidence. How you how can you be confident if you don't even know or honor your values? Yeah, or what they are, yeah. The work that I do, I realize there are three fundamental, absolute fundamental things you need if you want to break through and if you want to change and if you want to grow. First, you need to be able to learn, you need to learn how to heal from your past. The traumas, the belief systems from your past. How do you heal from them? Those are the hooks that bring you back. Because if I have a belief because of something in my past, if I fail, then I'm a failure. And if I'm a failure, I'm not good enough. Or the belief system of I'm not good enough or whatever that is. Whenever you go to try to do something in your future, that past belief system, that trauma is going to pull you right back or whatever that is for you, right? So it's important to first understand, how do I heal from my past? Second, how do I reprogram my subconscious mind into the the new identity, the new belief system, the new values, the new kind of behaviors that really build the life that I really want? So you have to be able to reprogram your mind for the future. So it's heal the past, program for the future. And then the third one, most importantly, is how do I empower myself in this present moment? with emotional mastery, with real confidence, with that powerful presence is what I call it. Being able to be present enough to be the chooser of your life. There is magic when you're able to master your emotions and say, I'm feeling this. I'm not caught up in my emotions, but I'm with my emotions Mm. and I can, can navigate through all this. And if you have all three, then you could navigate whatever you want because every time you try to go to any next level of your life, you will feel resistance. It's it's automatic because A, it's either it doesn't feel safe to you or B, it's new and your nervous system's like, we don't normally do this. What are you doing? Yeah. Unless we understand how to master that, we will keep getting caught up in our past, in the hooks that we have. And we'll run in patterns thinking we're changing. But what's really possible if you really think about it? If you took charge of your life and you empowered yourself now and said, what's really important to me. And the way you, if you really want to know your values, you could think them out loud and say, you know what? I value, for example, family, family's first and work is second and this, but take an inventory of your time. Take an inventory of what you focus on the most. Mm -hmm. Take an inventory of what, what you, where your energy goes, where you spend the most resources right? That's how you learn your values. 
And the crazy part about values and why I always talk about healing in the past is a lot of people, there's a big difference between having a value that says, I want to be successful versus I don't want to fail. Hmm. So if I told you, Corinne, don't think of a purple tree, what would you think? What's the first thing about <laughs> Purple it? tree. Right. So if I'm walking around my life thinking, don't fail, don't fail, don't fail, what is my subconscious mind thinking of? Yeah, you're thinking failure. about failure all the time. Yeah. And what you think about typically starts to manifest itself and you start to, that weighs really heavily. So it's really important to, and then tying that back into boundaries is, it's hard to heal from your past if you don't have boundaries because you're going to constantly be, be triggered. How you heal if you're constantly being poked. You can't heal a wound that keeps getting, the scab that keeps getting picked at. Mm. And then in your future, how do I create a new future if I'm not willing to step into understanding who, who I am, what, who I really am, what I really want to be. And in order to create these boundaries, I have to learn how to empower myself right now with emotional mastery. And when you learn to master those three things, sky is the limit. I don't even know if you knew this, but my nickname used to be passive. I used to be fear-based living. I was, I used to seek validation from everybody. I wouldn't say how I felt because I really care. I cared what people thought. I had a smile on my face, but inside I felt caged. Mm. I felt so caged. And I was like, Ugh, I just, I know I'm made for more. I know I'm made for more. And it wasn't until I learned what was important to me. I learned what was really holding me back with like loving self-awareness. And then I started to do the work that I was like, wow, like I went from being super duper caring what people think to like going on stage in front of 35,000 people and just sharing my soul with passion, you know? And the reason I'm so passionate about this is because I really do believe that like as stuck that I felt and how liberated that I feel now, and I'm constantly doing the work for sure. But if I could do that, man, I want, I, the taste of that was so powerful. And I think I owe it to myself and to God to help other people be just as free and taking the last 25 years of everything I've obsessively studied in neuroscience and trauma healing and peak performance and all those things and giving people the most powerful version of that because there's this story of title of liberty, right? It's like you you carry this flag that says we want freedom for our family, for God, for our kids. And the truth is if we don't do the work, it literally affects your family and your kids and your life and your freedom. Because if we don't learn how to set boundaries and learn how to take charge of our own lives, and we are being acted upon and we're not acting. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to choose. Yeah, that's so true and so good. And just to add to like kind of a testimony of what you're talking about, I went through a huge transformational period when I, when Neil and I went through those years of him struggling with addiction where at first my boundaries were very much fear-based where it was like, I don't want you to trample me or I can't get run over by your addiction anymore. I can't get lied to. I don't want to be hurt. And I did. I set up a lot of like really unhealthy walls of if I'm always a little bit angry at you, then you can't hurt me and things like that until I finally got to the point where I was like, I've got to I've got to take this back myself and take back my own peace, my own happiness create this for myself, not wait for someone else to do it for me. And that was when, and Neil will talk about this too, that that was the turning point in his addiction recovery too, when I went to him and he will describe it as it wasn't spiteful. It wasn't manipulative. I really just said to him, whatever you do, whatever you choose, I will be okay. 
because now I'm doing the work for me. And I went on that journey to just really like unpack all of it's like what you're talking about with the healing and figuring out like why I was so codependent and how to break through from that. But it was done out of love where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be a slave to your addiction and your emotions and your behaviors. Like this is going to now be in my control. And so, so much of what you're saying is resonating with like my literal life experience of completely breaking free of that, like very like captive feeling of I'm always going to be a slave to someone else's choices. It goes, it circles back into the beginning of what you talked about, where you're like, if you set these boundaries and you do these things out of love, then it, everybody wins eventually. Absolutely. And that's the thing is I think some people think you, if you have compassion, you can't have boundaries or if you have boundaries, you can't have compassion when they really go together. Yeah. That's so true. You no, know, I understand people really, really well. This is like my life. This is like my calling. This is like what I've been studying forever. So I could look at somebody and understand why they run the patterns they do, even if it's dysfunctional mm-hmm. or toxic. And I could have total compassion on them and still have really good boundaries. And in that space of the love-based boundaries, that right proximity between each other, I'm able to serve them so well, literally serve the hell out of them. Like I use that that phrase because it's like, you get hell out of me through love. Like we cast out darkness through light and love is really the ultimate healer. And I could love and still have distance. Yeah. I could love and still set clear boundaries. I could love and actually not talk to you, which is really kind of weird to say, but the truth is compassion and boundaries go together. That's so true. Let's just recap. So (laughs) I I really want to like, actually it's, give so it, good. it's so important to me that somebody walks away from this and they're like okay i have the steps yeah. like now i know what to do so identifying your emotions and and being curious and understanding it's those really, yeah be as self-aware as you can like understanding yourself in scenarios your emotions your behaviors kind of consequent like what you feel and what you see around you what's optimal what's not working the more self-aware you can be the better and asking yourself questions like sorry i'm diving in you're trying to get to these i'm like steps. no I'm henry like, we're gonna do one two three <laughs> yeah let me tell you more about this but ask yourself questions like when do i feel the most dysregulated do i feel anxious on a regular basis around certain situations or people or work environments because work's a whole nother conversation about boundaries we can dive into that where do I feel the most dysregulated? Where do I, by dysregulated, I mean like anxious or panicky or wanting to run away or angry or whatever that is. And then you ask yourself and getting really inquisitive, like why, how, what, and of course we can get into the healing side, but good questions give you good answers. So step one is ask yourself really good questions and understand yourself on, on a regular basis, which would be really powerful. Okay. And then step two is to know your values. Mm-hmm. Yes. And know what's like the kind of hierarchy of what's important. I want to mention too that I think that you can have two really good people who have completely different values. There's not like one set of like for Neil, it's extremely important to him to have peace. And that's not at the top of my list, but that's just his personality. <laughs> so yeah, I think, you know, understanding what your core values are and what's personally really important, not just like these are the Sunday school answers, or this is what I was taught in church, you should be prioritizing your life according to, but like really what's going to make you feel happy and fulfilled as a person. Yeah. 
And and now that you know Neil values peace, out of love, you're like, okay, I'm gonna make sure my husband has had his time for peace. And if Neil knows you value adventure, Neil takes you out on adventures, right? Like it's so there's these oh, beautiful Henry. things. That, you don't know me very get, well. I'm not very adventurous. Oh no, I know. I was just using the opposite of what peace would be. It's like <laughs> I think it's like in that space, what what is that thing that you want? Some people are like, I want alone time. And some people are like, I love to be around people. Yeah. Can you honor each other's values is the question. You don't need the same values, but can you honor each other's values yeah. and work with each other's values is the key. Okay. So then after that, number three would be like having a converse, having like a honest, courageous. Before number th- before having the conversation, you understand what boundaries are being, what boundaries need to be set. Okay. And understand, okay, well, what what is happening here? What boundaries need to be set? Am I, is this person always, are they doing something on a consistent basis that is that is not acceptable to me in that sense or whatever? And then just play it out. Like understand the situation really clearly. Like who is a person? What are the typical responses? I'm sure they're not, most people are just acting with what, it's usually what they, I hate to use the word trauma responses. If they're overstepping their boundaries, if they're angry at you all the time, they're putting you down all the time understanding that and saying, okay, well, what boundaries are not being set? How do I prepare? How do I plan to set these boundaries? Before you execute, I always suggest you plan. Sometimes you just have to execute right in the mo- in the moment, right? Someone breaks the boundary, you're like, nope, sorry, back off, right? Yeah. But a lot of times in our, in our longer term relationships, understand what boundaries need to be set, understand how the person is, what's the best way to to share that boundary with them? How do you state it in a way of like, hey, this makes me feel like this, this is what I need and not having to overly explain, but you just get to state what, what you need and why it's important to you. And then you kind of anticipate that, plan your resistance strategy, what's gonna happen when you feel resistance, like you don't wanna say it, who's your support system, decide that in advance. And then if they have resistance to the boundary, how will you typically respond to that? Like what's your exit strategy? Yeah. Like if they get really angry, you're like, okay, hey, like maybe I need to take a break because it's not going to work in that space. I just want to state this to you. We don't need to talk about it right now, but you know, think about it and I'll go. And then they calm down and you have your support system, but always like, I wouldn't just say I've set a boundary and go to that person when you get good at it, yes, but for for the most part, people that don't set boundaries typically aren't really good at it right away. Yeah, that's true. And then you talked about consequences, where mm-hmm. a boundary is just a suggestion if you don't have a consequence. Yeah, understand like, okay, well, if this person keeps doing this, then what is the consequence, right? Like, what does it really look like? Whatever that is to you. Sometimes it could be something small. It could be this. For example, I'll give you one example that helps someone very close to me, very, very, very close to me, uh, would call me. And whenever they started gossiping about somebody, it just didn't make me feel that good. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, hey, got to go. Love you. Got to go. Thank you so much. And I, because I stated to them before and they just kept doing it. And I knew like the consequence was as soon as you start doing that, I'm going to get off the phone. And after like the fourth time, they're like, hey, I've noticed like you're totally serious about not wanting to gossip about people. I was like, yeah, I am. And so whenever you do, I just like, it's time for me to get off the phone then guess what? They stopped doing. I wasn't their person. Yeah. And I said, it doesn't make me feel good. It's not who I want to be. I don't want to talk about other people. It's not productive to me. Yeah. You know, now we have conversations and literally it's not even about that. And one time they started to, and then they stopped themselves. Sometimes it's that simple. Yeah. And then on that note too, when do you know that it's time to just maybe like 
put people in more of an outer circle because I had that experience too where I felt like the right thing was to just kind of back off from that relationship because with a friendship where I was like, this is, I never leave feeling good. And it was a gossip Mm -hmm. type of thing too. So what are the things that you look for when you're like, this isn't like a, a boundary. This is maybe like a put somebody like in a little more distant circle. Yeah. You said it. You said they never do that. That means there's consistency, right? If there's something that's consistently not good for you, mm-hmm. whether it's not not good for you spiritually or emotionally or mentally or even physically, then it might be time to create some distance. You know, and how much distance depends on how not good for you it is. Yeah. Right? Because maybe, maybe some distance will be really good for you, Right depending on how open can you be with your boundaries. Some people, unfortunately, like with family and with certain people, like it's really, really hard. Like this one girl, and and this is where it probably gets a little tricky for this. In the book, it's going to explain it so well because it actually takes you through an assessment, which which is probably a lot longer than we want to go through here. But this girl came to my house and she was in my mastermind. She had this really big breakthrough. The next step for her was to set a boundary with her, her father, and her father would just get hyper triggered whenever she tried to tell him anything. Cause she's like, he doesn't like to anybody to tell him anything to do. And so I said, you know, with him, you, maybe you don't need to state it. Maybe you just have less time there and you just love them deeply in the time that you know is optimal in that space. Yeah. You have to really decide on what, what is the most important thing and what's optimal in that situation. And that it's, it's not a one size fits all, which makes it tricky, yeah. but the one size fits all is the higher principle. Mm. of is it consistently draining you is it consistently unhealthy for you and if it is you have to do something about it yeah and one thing my therapist actually taught me a long time ago too was like age is definitely a factor like the older people are the less likely it's not impossible for older people to change but like if you've got a grandparent or someone who's just First of all, there's like a respect thing there, but also there's kind of like they're set in their ways that it might be more of like a silent boundary that you're talking about where it's you're not going to challenge them or try to talk them into a different way of thinking or living. Maybe just yeah. you're you're knowing your own boundaries that are. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, I lived it. My father, unfortunately, was my father, fortunately, was a really good man. Unfortunately, had a lot of unhealed trauma mm. and his responses were really bad. So like he would scream at the top of his lungs, throw things across the room. It was like really, really bad. I was kind of the the peacemaker in my family. Everybody has their little roles. But as I got older, I realized, okay, dad, like if you're not going to change, then you're also not going to harm our family. I had a really straight conversation said, if you do this, this isn't healthy. And I know you don't want to, and we love you, but this is how it affects mom. And this is how it affects my, my sister and this is how it affects us. And so I had to set a pretty good boundary. If you do this, then this is what we're going to do. Like, we're just going to have to distance ourselves a little bit or we're not going to give into it anymore. We're not going to sit here and fight back with you because you only get more angry. So just know that this is what we're going to do in the future if this happens. And I know you want to be better. And this is kind of proactively, this is what we think should happen for us to be better. And having an honest conversation with him at the right time, in the right place, in the right way. Granted, some of the things they didn't take in very well, but a lot of it was with family where I was like, he was older and I couldn't change him, mm-hmm. but I could change myself right. in the situation to put myself in. Right. 
and therefore having fewer resentments and more love and right back to the thing that we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about so many good things. No, no, no. Oh yeah. If there's any more steps that you feel like are essential, let's add those. I think when you, when you implement the boundary, you know, have your support system. I'm really looking forward to the book. I have a workbook and stuff like that with it. But in the meantime, if you, you feel uncomfortable doing it, ask somebody for help that may have better bound, know how to set boundaries a little bit better than you. Don't ask someone that's bitter, Susie, or angry, Anne, or I'm just making up names right now, or like the guy that thinks he never should talk about anything. Like, look at someone who has a really good, healthy relationship and talk to, talk to somebody who has the results that you want. And then when you implement them, evaluate them because boundaries are flexible, right? Like you want to talk about boundaries in a, in a fun way. I met my wife who was in my outer proximity circle and then she became a closer relationship. Then she became a close relationship. Now she's in my inner circle. Now she's the most inner of my inner of my inner circles, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then some people were in my inner circle and they kind of veered off because I, I was going a different direction in life. Still love them. We still have great relationships, but some people in your life for a season and some people in your life for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes pain comes in when we keep the seasonal people for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's not a reflection on you. It's not a reflection on anybody. It's just like, what do you want in your life? and create it. What kind of relationships do you want? Establish them. Yeah. So evaluate it. Is it working? Is it not working? How do you feel? And always support is always good. I do that. And I, I really believe that. Like I have some really incredible friends. I mean, we're in a really cool text thread together with some incredible people, right? Yeah. Where we're always supporting each other. Hey, Henry needs prayers. Everybody pray. Corinne needs prayers. And like, but we also know the people we can go to or join a group. Like that's why I throw my mastermind is because I feel like it helps when you have a group of people that are like-minded moving in a similar direction that can support you along the way yeah. as you're growing because you need support as you evaluate it, ask yourself what's working, what's not working. How did I feel today? Every night you could literally just check back at your day and say, how are my relationships today? How can I enhance my relationships today? And instead of playing just defense, you play offense, offense with love. Like, how can I make this better? I love that. Okay, Henry, last question for you. If there's one message that you want the people listening to this to remember, what do you want that one message to be? You know what I love about this question? And I'll just tell you is I, I always thought, what would I answer to that question? And now I just go with the first thing that comes to my heart. And in this conversation, what I feel like is there is hope. Mm. There is absolute hope for you listening or watching. There is absolute hope. Your past does not have to equal your future. Your past relationships don't have to equal your future relationships. Your current relationship can get better. There are principles. If you feel like you're stuck, there is hope to be free. And to me, I love that feeling to know that I can step out of just survival in my life and step into creation and learn the principles of power and freedom and love and boundaries and peace and trust and all those things that I can learn those things. The first thought that came to my mind when you said that was that there's hope. And in order to to go after something and to believe that there's hope, you need to believe four things. One is you need to believe that it's possible. It's possible for whatever it is that you want. Second, you need to believe that there's a way to get there. Third, you need to believe that you can take that way there. And fourth, you need to believe that it's worth it. 
And if you can align all four of those things and check those boxes off and say, you know what? Do I believe I can have a good relationship? Yes. Is there a way to get there? Yes. Can I take that way there? Yes. Is this work that I do on myself going to be worth it? Yes. So there's absolute hope. I love that. Henry, thank you so much for everything that you shared today. Where can people find you if they just want like more of your goodness and to have you as their, I feel like you're like my, like a Yoda in my life. You know, you just always have such good answers and so much wisdom and you bring so much light and goodness into my life. So where can people find you if they want that too? Thank you so much. Instagram, all the socials, Instagrams, Henry Amar, H-E-N-R-Y-A-M-M-A-R, TikTok, Facebook. I'm starting to post on YouTube a lot more now. I have a podcast that I am going to get Corinne on because everybody in my world needs to know how amazing she is. Mm-hmm. Guys, can I just say something really quick? Okay, I got, I'm diverting. I know you don't want it to be about you, but Corinne really is who she is on social media. Like she cares so deeply. She really cares about people. She has such a strong faith in it's not, it's like literally day to day. And when I first met Corinne, we met at this in Hawaii and we were at this thing. And, and I remember my wife and I were like, She's just good freaking people, man. You and Neil are just good people. And I'm so grateful we met. And so anybody listening, if you don't know her personally, like she really is who she says she is. She really sacrifices because she cares. And she puts a lot of work into what she does because she cares. So I have to plug that in because it's true. And I'm blessed to know you. Um, And so I'm excited. So podcast, social media, all the things. And And your TED Talk. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Okay, now we'll link all of those things in the show notes. So thank you so much, Henry. Thanks, Corinne. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.